0: Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're welcoming back Gabe Barrett, founder of both Board Game Design Lab and Best With One Games. Best With One has recently launched a second edition of their solo game, Hunted Kobayashi Tower, which is currently on GameFound. Gabe Welcome back to The bench. How are you doing, sir?
1: James, I'm doing good, man. Thanks again for having me.
0: Oh, it's great to have you back and, and to see you, man. Oh, you're just, uh, I see your content literally everywhere as most people do. So it's always awesome to be able to have these interfaces with you. Uh, for those who uh, want to check out our last episode, uh, I think it was 197 was when you're last on the podcast. Gosh, it seems like it's just yesterday and I was checking the the time on this. And this is like over almost a year and a half ago. I was like, what? This seems like I just had the guy on the podcast, but uh, it's amazing. Welcome back. We're going to get into some, uh, some cool things you're working on. Now, just before we went on air, the one thing um, I was saying to you is uh, last time you were on the podcast, you had just moved away from doing your own podcast, which was very successful and been running for a number of years. Uh and now it uh you've
1: come back. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So well, one quick question for you, James. What number of podcasts are you up to at this point? Uh we are at, I think this
0: is episode two seventy six, I think. Okay
1: ish. Very cool, man. So interesting 277. thing about podcasting two seventy-seven, <laughs> which is crazy. And I'm sure yeah. when you first sat down to do this podcast, you were thinking, I'm gonna get at least two hundred and seventy-seven episodes, right? Um uh, yeah. Like no, when you when you get started, you're like, hey, I'm just going to do this thing, and we'll see how it goes. But what's crazy about podcasting, the majority of shows in general don't make it past three episodes. Yeah. And then the majority of the ones that do never make it past twenty. And so you and I have found ourselves in the top one of one of one percent by getting past episode twenty, and now you know up into you're getting close to three hundred. I'm over three hundred at this yeah. point, and it's just it's kind of wild and the longer you do it one I, I didn't get burned out like i was in a place of like i just wanted to try something else and so i, I shifted over to youtube i want to do some de- things kind of on a more personal side not necessarily yeah. game related or design related at the time also i was moving to a different country i was moving away from honduras where i'd been for eight years mm-hmm. back to the united states and so everything was in flux everything was chaos <laughs> trying to like figure out how to reorganize my life. And so it was just a really good time to pause, try something else, and and always knowing I could come back. It's not like I yeah. burned the bridge. It's not like I was burned out or anything. I didn't want to do it anymore. And then as I did, you know, as I moved back and got into kind of redoing and figuring out and, and getting back into creativity and content creation, uh, it's like, okay, let's, let's, let's run it back. You know, I was at episode three oh one at the time and it's like, hey, let's just see if if we can kind of start this thing back up and, um and maybe put more focus, more emphasis into it because I, instead of, you know, teaching like I was in Honduras and kind of splitting my time among so many things yeah. back in the, once I was in the States, I had a little more focus that I was able to put towards things. And so that's where it's been. And uh even, and actually now I'm shifting again where I'm trying to focus on game design stuff in a different angle. And the podcast is now going to be maybe only one or two new episodes a month, yep. but then I'm also rewinding. I'm, I'm kind of going back the greatest hits and yeah. pulling back old episodes that are like, oh, okay, this was an excellent episode. This was a phenomenal guest. This is one of the best game designers of all time, but it's episode you know, 79 or 123 and it's kind of lost in the library. It's like, yeah. okay, let's run it back. Let's repost it, maybe put some uh, content at the beginning of it or the end and let people hear it for the first time because there's still so many people that are coming in new to the Board Game Design Lab. And they, they are not aware of these amazing older episodes and so kind of giving those new life while allowing me to have the time to do some other things, right? And so yeah. I'm really excited about 2024 and, and what everything is, is shaping up to be.
0: So how many episodes are you up to now? What's, what's your count?
1: 330 something, I wow. think. Yeah. yeah, getting close to 350.
0: Yeah, I, I never imagined. I thought 100 would be a good number. And yeah. uh, and then when you cross it, you're like, oh, maybe 200 would be a good number. Right, and then it's just like, this will end when I just finally drop and can't do it anymore, right? Well, <laughs> once you
1: build those systems, right? And you're in that rhythm, you know, yeah. and you're just so used to the scheduling and the sitting down and like you kind of made it a habit. You yeah. really could do it for almost forever, assuming you're taking care of yourself and you're sleeping right. Like you're doing all those things. Yeah. Right? Um, but luckily for us, we're, you know, we're not getting millions of views on these things. The stress level is a lot lower than some people that create content. You know, there's so many people right now on YouTube that are like walking away and they're, you know, whatever. It's like, I don't. I don't exactly know what that feels like to get that much stress. It's like it's just not that big a deal when you're not getting same numbers, and your entire paycheck isn't devoted to content. And you've got ten people on staff that you have to make sure they're paid. And yeah. That's, yeah, we don't deal with that. So
0: that's the key, right? Is it being kind of a side hustle, which is just it's it's a hobby. It's something I do for fun, right? That like it's right. not monetized. It's literally just creating content for content's sake, and. I think the epiphany for me was um because when you first start out, you're trying to get that model just right, and it's like, oh, yeah. you know, you spend so much time editing and so forth. And then just one day I just realized nothing matters and no one cares. They 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 really don't. You know what I mean? So yeah. if there's the ums and like I leave everything in, like we clip the beginning uh, that we're off air when we're just getting ready to go live, and I clip the very end when we say our goodbyes, and everything else, unless someone's coughing incessantly into the mic. Everything else is, is as it is. And for me, that allowed me to, uh, really shorthand the process, right? So get the content out faster and, um, and, and a lot of that kind of post editing that was, was kind of the drag on it, uh, being able to kind of eliminate a lot of that, uh, really freed up to say, okay, I can just keep doing this. Cause now it's relaxing. It's something I enjoy doing. That's, uh, it's not too much stress, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Anything you can do to prevent friction. Right to to yeah. grease the tracks, right, make it easier to get it out there, and, and so you don't dread it, so you, you're not like frustrated by it. That that allows you to last long term, and so I think whether we're talking about creativity in general, you know, making art, designing yep. games, podcast, anything, that's that's the case, and that's that's been my advice to a lot of a new uh, creatives or even old creatives, right? Is how can you eliminate as much friction as possible so that you can focus on the thing you actually enjoy, the part you really love, yeah, and 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 get through all the other stuff without it just sucking the life out of you
0: for those who don't know you, and I, I, most people know who you are, but for those who don't, uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, Board Game Design Lab before we get into uh, Best with One? Just because, again, this community you've built, I think, is just so awesome. And there's so many people that I know that are in game design that go there for a resource. And, uh, you know, it's helped a lot of people. So I, I, we'd be remiss to not talk a little bit about that if, if it's okay. Uh, can you talk to our audience a little bit about your community and what that's all about and how they get involved?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Board Game Design Lab was started in 2016, began first as a podcast where, again, I was in Honduras. I was trying to figure out how can I connect with the industry. And I started the show to interview game designers and just ask them questions that basically I had. Right. If I'm working on a deck building game, let me go find yeah. a great deck building game designer and chat with him for an hour or her for an hour and, and see what their best advice is. And I never thought anybody would listen or care. I just wanted to do this and see what you know happened. And then it just kind of kept growing, and eventually I started a Facebook group that really just turned into a community. And now it's got over 17,000 people, which still boggles my mind. (laughs) It's it's the biggest community on the internet, which is nuts. And a lot of them don't even know who I am necessarily. They're not finding the podcast. They're not finding me. They're finding the show – or excuse me, finding the community – through other means. And so I can't tell you how many times someone will mention me and then someone else will be like, who is that? (laughs) So that's kind of where, where it is now, you know, and I was, I saw this the other day. It's like, there's the difference between an audience and a community. An audience is a group of people that a person or, you know, in my case, me or you are talking to a community is when they talk to each other. Right. And so I kind of accidentally built up this community that now they talk to each other and they don't need me. Right, yeah. which is kind of freeing. You know, I don't again, like we were talking about a moment ago. I don't feel this pressure to constantly be going in and making new posts, and, and like I'm having to grind it out and and making sure everybody is engaged. They do it just nor- naturally, right? Organically. Yeah. They're chatting with each other. So, sometimes for worse, right? <laughs> sometimes yeah. you gotta be like, hey, that's what? No, don't say that. <laughs> yeah, that's just the the you know the nature of of online communities. But it's it's crazy, and so anyone that is a game designer or wants to be a game designer or an artist an illustrator or a graphic designer wants to get into publishing anything game industry related, it's the best group on the internet. It's yeah. encouraging. It's a, it's just got a good overall vibe to it. Um, we're very just upfront about, Hey, we're here to help each other. Um, you know, and, and make sure that we're all making the best games that we can possibly make and th- being there for each other. Right. We're, we live in such isolating times yeah. and to have a community on, online where you can come to, that all shares the same passion, even if we don't share the same you know, region or demographics or political views or religious views, like none, none of that matters. We're all here to make great games that people love. And it's just, it's just a really cool community uh, to be a part of. So yeah, I encourage anyone that uh, wants to join, come on. I would encourage
0: people to join it as well. Uh, board game design lab, uh, just look on, on Facebook, you'll find it. Um, I'm always seeing in my feed a pop up, uh, you know, this person saying, asking a question and you'll see a a whole bunch of people jump in and and provide advice. And as you said, you got to weed through it, right? It's not all going to be diamonds. It's not all going to be glowing. Right. But the, the cool thing is, is you have so much talent as part of that, that community um there it really is a go-to place where if you have like a serious question and you're looking for some serious answers and really trying to get some help with some things um it's not there to promote stuff it's there really to ask questions and 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 help with your your game design so uh for me i think that's i think it's awesome you've created that community and uh, i i can't wait to see how this thing continues to grow right and i think you're right i haven't seen as many posts from you but i've seen a lot of posts from other people which is pretty cool
1: yeah and even if i did post more often you probably wouldn't see it because so many other people (laughs) post All the time. You know, I'm a part of some groups and it might be one post every three or four days, like a new post. And those groups are kind of big. They've got several thousand members. Yeah. But something about the Board Game Design Lab, I mean, it's constantly being just filled up with amazing posts. People asking questions, people sharing success stories or failures, people asking for feedback about their graphic design or their crowdfunding campaign. Like, it's just constant. Uh, And and it's great. It's, It's just an amazing place.
0: How do you moderate it? When you have that many people as part of that community, do you have a bunch of people that you've kind of added as mods to, to help you? Yeah, with
1: that or? There's a few of us. Um, I've added more and more as the yeah. community has grown. You just kind of have to. And I'm, I'm some, sometimes people criticize me, but I am uh, more of a light touch. I am of the belief that grown people uh, can, can act like grown people. And if yeah. someone is saying something to you that's maybe on un- <laughs> It's that weird tension, right? If someone like crosses a line, yes, that stuff gets moderated out. Those people can get banned. Yeah. Um, some direct messages. I've had so many conversations, even with like well-established designers who are trolls on the internet, and people that I've been like, "Gosh, I want to ban you, but you're a really good designer, and you bring certain things to the community, but you're also a troglodyte online." But anyway, so like, there's always that fun tension of community building, but um, but a lot of times it's just an encouraging. Word, right? If someone says something and maybe yeah. it comes across unkind, unhelpful, mean-spirited, just reaching out to them and be like, hey, what's going on? Because what I find is it's not that person is an awful person. A lot of times they're having a bad day. They're yeah. going through something or they, they said it in a way they didn't mean any anything by it. It was just the way they typed it. And because our silly lizard brains, like when we see something yeah. written out. We we can take it different ways. We don't hear the tone. We don't hear the emphasis. You know, and so a lot of times we take it as the worst possible way someone could have said it. And so I also have reached out to people and they say, sorry, English is my third language. So mm. I didn't, it's like, oh, yeah. And as a person who speaks an, a second language, I only know how to say things one, maybe, no, not two ways. Only one way. If I want to say anything in Spanish, I yeah. only know how to say it one way. And if that happens to not be like the most polite way in that context... I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've had a lot more empathy for people, especially because there's such a, a large number of people that aren't from the U.S. or Canada, aren't North American or yeah. you know, from the U.K., that English is not their first language by any stretch. And so that could have been it, right? Um, so one thing I find is just reaching out to people, right? Talking to them directly and seeing, hey, what's going on? And then just reminding them who we are, right? Yeah. It's, you know, if, if you have a comment like that, please just keep it to yourself. But again, in general, we're adults, right? And so if someone says this is this is bad for this reason and that reason, as long as it's constructive and helpful in some way, even if it is a little bit harsh, yeah, that's okay. Right? It's okay. Um sometimes people just need to chew Was was the old phrase, chew the meat and spit out the bones. Right? <laughs> find the find the nuggets of wisdom in there, wipe yeah. away the, the garbage and be like, no, no, the heart of this is really helpful. But you know, un- unfortunately. Online, we we kind of uh, we get a little been out of shape. We get offended by stuff a little easier in person too, right?
0: Like I've been to uh, to pro spiels and in uh, you know prototyping events where you'll have somebody that'll say something so bluntly that it can it can take you back, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's part of the skill set you have to develop uh, as a game designer is is developing a bit of a thick skin, enough to kind of just shield you a bit from the initial shock, right, of blunt words. But then the next step which would be all as you're seeing what's in there. There's a nugget of something in there. And if I can just allow myself to kind of just chew on it a bit, uh, I'm sure there's gonna be something in there that I can I can walk away with that's gonna be very helpful. But um, you know, if for people that don't like feedback, I mean this is a tough industry to be in if you don't like feedback because right. everybody wants to give you feedback because everyone's so excited about getting a like you know, creating great games, right? And yeah. And, uh, and I always say to like, uh, colleagues of mine is that the biggest thing you have to try to sort out is, are they giving you feedback on what can make your game better? Or is it feedback that they're giving you to turn to a game that they want to play? Yeah. Cause those are two different things, right? right. And, uh, and you got to make sure that, you know, if, if you're trying to create a certain thing, um, you need the feedback that's going to help you to make that thing better, not necessarily turn it into something that it was never intended to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it also depends on context. You know, I come from yeah. a football background where coaches were not shy about making up new cuss words that had never been spoken <laughs> by the human human mouth. And they would come up with these phrases, you'd be like, dang, that that hurts my feelings. But you can't be like, dang, that hurts my feelings. You gotta be like, yes, coach, you gotta get back out there and you gotta do yep. the job, right? You gotta get back up. And so, you know, someone like me, I'm gonna hear criticism differently yeah. than someone who grew up in a different culture, different context, right? And so that's another thing online. You're, you're running into all these different people in different contexts and different experiences, different locations and different family upbringings and stuff like that. And now we're all trying to work together on these things. And it's hard, right? That's a challenging thing. But to your point, one of the best things you can do as a creative in general, if, if you're going to put stuff out online, if you're going to put stuff out for other people to engage with and interact with, is you got to build that thicker skin. Now, don't let it make you cynical and jaded. Right. But at least to deflect the emotional parts. Yeah. That way you can see the the real gold in there to go, oh, okay. I don't like the way you said that, but that is a good point right here. <laughs> right. You didn't have to say it that way, but I see what <laughs> you're saying. Right. And to detach the emotion from it and only take in the helpful parts. And and life gets a lot easier.
0: Oh, absolutely with uh with best with one uh this whole journey of kind of creating games or dedicated just to uh to be uh like a like a solo play where did this start like where did you kind of come up with this uh this initiative
1: yeah so this the first game i created was in 2019 and hunted mining colony 415 which is this kind of fast pay, fast playing uh push your luck card driven alien type experience right yeah. and It was just an idea I had kind of randomly, Um, but it worked out because in Honduras, I had a, for a long time, I had a really good friend that we were game buddies, right? We played games together. Uh, I would design games. He had a really good mind and eye for development. He wasn't as good at designing, but he could really take a already designed game and like make it better. And so he and I worked together on a lot of stuff, Uh, but then he moved back to the United States. And so I found myself without anybody to really play games with. And uh, my wife was pregnant and, and, you know, a lot of stuff going on. There And so I just started designing games for me, (laughs) just for one player. And I was like, well, this is my context now. So I'll just start (laughs) doing that. And uh, I created one and I thought, man, this is is actually pretty good. And so I showed it to a publisher and they loved it. And they're like, I want to sign this game. And I immediately thought, if it's good enough for you, I'm going to do it myself. Like that gave me that confidence to go, okay, if someone else wants to offer me a contract to put this out into the world... Yeah. why can't i put this out into the world right and that's just kind of how i am I, I want the ball in my hands right to keep using football metaphors um like i want to be to be the one that determines do we do i win or lose yeah and so i started working on you know finding an illustrator and graphic design and all that kind of stuff and then put it out on uh, kickstarter originally and I actually did the first two games in that series in the hunted series and it did way better than i anticipated and i was like oh, okay cool so this is this is something and then 2020 happened And solo gaming got a lot more popular because everybody was stuck at home. And so that has kind of helped my business, you know, for all the tragic and awful that that was, a lot of businesses that were able to to benefit. And if you're a solo gamer or game designer or publisher, it's just kind of part of it. It it created a much larger customer base to be able to provide games for. And so, you know, now it's turned into, basically, I just kicked off this January, the solo game of the month, club and I'm doing a solo game every single month. Now they're not all from me. I've got a lot of games I've signed from other designers. Uh, some of the games are going to be reprints. Some of the games are going to be translations. I've got a really cool game. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about for next month. That's only been ever available in Korean. And so we've got it translated into English. It's a, it's an excellent worker placement, solo game uh, and all sorts of games coming out over the next year. And you you know, before we hit record, we're talking about um Jason Tagmire over at button shy. Yeah. That's kind of the model. He laid the blueprint and he and I have had so many conversations over the last six months of me trying to figure this out. And he came on my podcast and, and it was an excellent interview. And that kind of has helped shape this whole thing to be able to realize, okay, I can make it happen. And then also, it's, again, like we were talking about, it's finding the systems, right, to make it easier. Yeah. So one thing I found is that if you see the video, you can mm-hmm. see this case. This looks like a VHS case, right? Old school VHS tape case. That's because it is. These are VHS cases. I found a company in China that prints or manufactures these plastic cases, and you can get them without the little plastic hubs on the inside, right? So you've actually yeah. got just a normal box. Well, every game in the series comes in this. That means oh, wow. I don't have to spend extra time and money and all that stuff figuring out, well, what's the box size going to be? And we got to you know make sure that everything fit. Like, no, no, this is it. This is what we use for all of them. They look really good on the shelf. You can see all, a bunch of prototypes behind me right over there on the shelf. They look good sitting there next to each other, um, and so every game comes in this box. Every game will be uh, printed immediately after the Game Found campaign is over. Um, we're not doing stretch goals, we're not doing add-ons. It's like this is the game; it's already deluxified. It's already as good as it can be. The rulebook's done. Everything's done. I just need to know how many to print. As soon as Game Found ends, it goes right into manufacturing. As soon as that's done, it ships directly from China. We're not waiting on a boat you know, mm. to load up containers. We're not waiting on fulfillment centers that might have, you know, who knows how big of a queue line. No, no, direct to backers. And so the goal with this is to get games on people's tables in four months or less. Wow. Preferably less. Four months is like, okay, that's that's pushing it. I don't want it to go that long. Um, and so again, it's creating new models and new systems to hopefully make this happen. And still learning, still figuring it out, right? Still having lots of conversations with with people as far as logistics and getting things figured out. But I'm really excited about the potential that this could could have and uh, just so, a new new way of doing things so it'll ship straight
0: from china which is different than jason's model because jason's model insanely they're still hand uh, assembling yeah. these things in the states which is just crazy right. um yeah, we had a good laugh afterwards on it but i mean it, uh, good for him i mean to be able to pull it off is, is crazy so yours is going to go straight from from factory um and this kind of game of the month is it going to be like a subscription model or what's the plan there how's that going to work
1: no, no subscription. Uh, basically, every month, there's a new GameFound campaign. If you want the game, oh, a game found. buy okay. the game. Yep. If you want it, buy it. If you don't, if this game in the series is not for you, no worries. Maybe get the next one. And, you know, it's not like a, a loot box or anything like that subscription. Uh, I've looked at that model. I talked to Jason about that model and ultimately yeah. decided it was just easier. Again, trying to make the systems easier to just say, here's the game. And then just find out how many people want it, print that many, and then move on to the next one. The downside being there's no retail release you're not going to find these games in stores on my website. Like I'm only printing enough to cover the backers and then some extra copies to cover like replacement, you know, if anything gets lost or anything, and, you know, the international shipping and things like that. Yeah. So it's it's all limited edition, which is kind of nice because people dig that, especially gamers. Yeah. But the downside is, you know, six months from now, if if there are people that like want the game, I don't know, you, you would have had to buy it six months ago. <laughs> right? So yeah. uh, there's pros and cons.
0: Wow, and then in, in terms of like just the time involved, uh, I mean, being a, a publisher myself, it, it is, takes so much time <laughs> to put together a title, and you're going to do twelve. Um, how do you how do you manage the 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 time investment for this? Like this is this is a lot of time invested, right? Like do you have a team around you at all? Is this is it, is it you just kind of going twenty four seven, or how are you managing that?
1: So the main thing I, I knew I needed. Was a graphic designer that was like constant, and so my yeah. buddy Drew, who's done graphic design for almost every project I've done, uh, he's on board. Like he's actually part of the company, um, mm. and he's not just a freelancer. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> as this thing rises or falls, so do I, and so does he, which is kind of nice. Everybody's invested there; their stakes. Uh, and so you know, he's making sure the game found campaign pages are good to go, the rule books, the covers, like all that kind of stuff is just part of what he brings to the table. Uh, and then I, I need what I'm still looking for is like a customer service project manager, that kind of person as well to just kind of help. I think as things grow that I'm yeah. going to really need that person more. Uh, but also I didn't, <laughs> when I started this thing was six months ago. And so the first four games in the series are done. Like, like I could go to print with any of them basically tomorrow and be good to go. And so yeah. I've got through April to then make sure May is good. And then June is good. And July yeah. is good. And I've already got a bunch of games signed, signed, Or designed by by myself. And so then for those games, it's just a matter of making sure they're polished, the graphic design's done, illustrations are done, you know, so it's just, again, it's that pipeline, right? And figuring out the system that you need to have in place to make sure a game is ready to go the first Tuesday of every month. And, you know, I've got a a four or five month head start, so that, that helps.
0: With the games that you're signing of other, like other people's games, obviously there's some you've said they're going to be reprints and, and so forth. Is there any that are are new titles, like games that haven't hit the market yet, like new designs, or and, yeah. and what's your process to to find these these various titles?
1: Yeah, several. Uh, a lot of them are, are brand new that no mm-hmm. one's ever uh, seen before in the market. Um, the game coming up in March is brand new. It's from a designer named uh, Joe Clipful, who's done several solo games in the past. I uh, recently did the Gloomhaven solo game. That's kind of oh, wow. him and, uh, oh, her, her name is, is escaping me. But anyway, he worked with just a Phenomenal Designer there, a co-design. And um, anyway, so that's a brand new game coming up in uh, May. Is going to be a new game. Like, there's there's quite a few that are, like, brand new. But then also to kind of supplement things and just make it easier, right? I'm also re- reaching out to, you know, designers that maybe put a game out on the Game Crafter, right? Mm. It's a really good game, but it's $70 when it needs to be 20 you know, like, or less. <laughs> yeah, you know, just the nature nature of uh, print on demand is just really expensive. But it's a really good game and maybe a lot of the art's done and graphic design's done. Maybe it needs some polishing here and there. Maybe you need to develop yeah. one or two things. But overall, the game is good to go. It's been playtested a bunch. And so, you know, the rule book is basically finished. Like reaching out to those kinds of designers as well and saying, Hey, can we partner? I'm doing a limited edition thing every month. I would love to do I would love to feature your game as one of those. Right, they still keep their rights. Like you keep selling it on Game, Gamecrafter, like whatever. Like let's figure out or yeah. finding games that are you know one to four players that have a really good one player mode. It's like well, let's just pull that one player mode out and offer it by itself. That way, a, a gamer is not you know if you're a solo gamer, you don't want to pay fifty bucks if you're only gonna play it solo. Pay twenty, pay twenty five. You know, like so doing little things like that as well, just to kind of make it easier to bring products to market make it easier to get games on solo gamers' tables, right? And also create these really nice limited edition versions. I don't know. I'm just excited, man. I think it's a really cool model. And was, now it's just a matter of figuring out how to make it all work.
0: Why uh, GameFound versus Kickstarter? What was the decision oh, process man, was, there?
1: I've just been so frustrated with the customer service. A lot of the backend stuff has actually improved. The yeah. creator stuff, is it's leaps and bounds. GameFound has finally forced them to get better and to have, to stop having such a dumpster fire of a back end. Like, I don't know, anyone who's- Competition's good. It 100% is. And now they just need to level up their customer service. And so I've just been really frustrated. Not that I won't ever use Kickstarter again. There are certain games that GameFound is not a good fit. Yeah. It's just the nature of the market, right? And so the dollars and cents of it, You know, I will probably use Kickstarter again in the future. I ain't going to be super happy about it, but it's just going to be the best platform for that particular title.
0: Certainly, I think Gamefound is probably more conducive to your model of having a game a month, though, right?
1: Like it is, it it is.
0: So for uh, Hunted, for those who don't know about this game, yeah. can you talk about it really quickly? Give us kind of an yeah. overview of, um, like how you would play this game, kind of what it's about. It's part of a series, so in that context as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Hunted, the series is a the core mechanism. Right? Every game in the series has the same core card play mechanism where it's this push-your-luck system where you've got a deck of cards, you're turning over cards, right? you're seeing what's coming out, and each card allows you to activate other cards. Right, Each card gives you icons, basically act like currency, to activate other cards. So for instance, if you're trying to open a door or move down a hallway, then you're going to need to activate uh, movement icons from another card yeah, to then it's cool, you know, draw that door card which moves you through locations which helps you get to the end of the game. But there's also that really cool machine gun that you need some search icons, and the door's got a search icon. It's like, okay, do I spin the machine gun to get the door? Do I spin the door to get the machine gun? It's that kind of push-pull. Like, what makes the most sense to help me win this game? All right. And so, in Kobayashi Tower, it's it's based on a certain action movie set around <laughs> possibly Christmas and yeah, inspired. It is a hundred percent inspired by action movies that I love. The whole series is inspired by basically things that I enjoy. Right. That I want to see brought to life in different stories. And so in this one, you're working your way through a tower, trying to get to the roof to defeat the criminal mastermind to rescue your wife. Right. Now, all, all along the way, there's terrorists you have to deal with and you've got events and different things that are happening. But, um, yeah, it's just it's just a fun little game. It takes like 20, 25 minutes to play. Lots of tension. Lots of kind of pusher luck. This one's a dice rolling game Uh, the second edition added a ton of of luck mitigation so the game is just as challenging but now it's a little less swingy right you don't feel like the dice determined the thing and now there's a lot more control in the player's hands Uh, they control the pace more they control the luck uh, different you know the ratios as far as like okay what are my odds of being successful the player gets to control that a little bit more in the second edition and yeah i'm just really excited uh, for it to get it on people's tables
0: i thought the design was quite clever like how like you do very well at emulating like kind of trying to escape trying to get go through this building right so like the you know picking doors and then like, am i going to go in that room or that room like choosing rooms you're going to go into or even when you uh get caught by a bad guy it's like okay do i want to use my one card that allows me to kind of get it quick or do i want to uh you know go into into combat right and then we go into like a roll-off where I'm going to actually fight the bad guys like it was cool like I was reading I was going through your page it's like wow this thing's actually really well designed um was there ever any thought behind like licensing uh IPS on uh, like across your entire series so take different types of movie genres or whatever and 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 tying them in at all or
1: absolutely absolutely I've sent several copies to um the op which has licenses I mean mm. they they did a diehard board game um it wasn't very good if i being <laughs> yeah. honest cuz cuz yeah. you don't feel like it's die hard right they try to make it a multiplayer game yeah. i don't see how die hard can be a good multiplayer game unless it's one versus many um you know and so but it really needs to be a solo experience that that is the inspiration right and so yeah i've, I've tried to license it um to them uh, never heard back you know the nature of licenses is very challenging it takes forever yeah. to get any kind of feedback to get any kind of uh, yes or no right and so you know it's still a place where it's like okay i can I can be inspired. Make sure I avoid copyright infringement. Make sure I avoid any like trademark or, or anything yeah. legal issues. Change it, transform it, make it different, make sure I'm not using any of the language. You know, there's not going to be any crossover as far as this, you know, a, a movie script and anything that I put in a card or something like that. Avoiding all of the legal side of things. But still, when people play it, they get that experience, right? They get yeah. that feeling of of that, that action hero, right? And so, I would love to license some stuff. Uh, it's just, hadn't happened yet <laughs> maybe one day and then from here kind of what's so what's the next
0: like the next game that's going to be part of the series that you're coming out with uh, so that starts as soon as this one's done the next one launches and sorry what is that game again going to be the next one
1: yeah so actually i haven't told anybody um so if they listen to your show exclusive exactly exactly <laughs> so every, every month first tuesday of the month a new game will launch on game found uh, the next one is called dyson crusoe and it's basically robinson crusoe as a dice placement game. And again, this is a game that was Korean. Uh, an amazing yeah. Korean designer. That I saw the game randomly on BoardGameGeek. And a, a, a BoardGameGeek user had like translated the rules, mostly figured it out, right? And then had put out some videos of playing the game. And I was like, that's a really good game. That's a really good game. Why is there no English version? And yeah. so I reached out to the designer. and He's a designer and publisher. I said, hey, this is what I'm, re- I'm doing. I've got this series you know, of games coming out, solo games. Would you be interested? And we worked out a contract. And um, basically, I've just got the English rights to be able to, to do you know this limited edition version. And I'm excited. It's a good game. And I can't wait to bring it to more people on this side of the world to, uh, yeah. to, be able to experience it.
0: Do you have a... Uh, like? Uh, there's obviously Board Game Design Lab uh, where people go and learn about game design and so forth. Do you have a separate social channel set up or community for... Uh, best with one.
1: So at the moment, it's really just through the email list. Um, you can go to best with com slash month and you can sign up for that. I'm working on, I'm I'm probably going to go to discord. I got to figure out discord, but talking (laughs) to Jason Tagmeyer, talking to other people that are kind of doing this type of thing, discord seems to be maybe a better alternative to Facebook still figuring that out. So hopefully you know, I'll get that understood. I don't want <laughs> never invest in something you don't understand. As Dave Ramsey says, uh, yeah. you know, make sure you understand what you're doing before you dive into it. But um working on discord. Then maybe YouTube channel just to, to house everything. Cause right now it's like, well, where do I put how to play videos? Cause they don't belong on the board game design lab. Yeah. They don't belong on like my personal channel really. So like that'd probably be a, a best with one YouTube channel starting up here in the near future. Really just to have like overview videos and how to plays and, announcements and stuff like that just for almost news sake not not so much a community just a place where people can go to find information and content Um, so anyway working on that and then also if someone listening to this if you are a game designer and you have an idea for a solo game that's thematic and engaging and fun not so much abstract not so much like a roll and write not an 18 card game like a small box fun win or lose solo game then go to bestwithone.com slash contact and there's a Google form and you can submit your game. Uh, there's also a giant wish list of games that I would love to publish. A lot of oh, those wow. games are games that I want to make, but I don't have time. And so if somebody yeah. else can make them, then I'd love to put them out there into the world and I can kind of help in that process of bringing those ideas to life. But I'm just excited to give more people an opportunity, right? Yeah. When you're publishing 12 games a year, a lot. you can do a lot more. Right? you can be flexible. You can you can take a chance on a game. Right, if you're only doing two games a year, they they both got a hit. Right, and so you kind of have to be a little risk averse. Yeah. Right, because like, what if we go out there and it flops? It's like this. Is, that's half of our games. <laughs> right, but I can be a little more flexible, a little more risky. And risky is not even the right word. I can take more chances with themes, with ideas, mechanisms, experiences. And so, especially if someone has something that like maybe a bigger publishing company would be like i don't know uh, maybe what's the market for this i can say yes be like hey let's let's go out there cuz i think we can get 800 backers 800 right. backers for another company would bankrupt them 800 backers for this hey that works out fine right and so i'm just excited about um <laughs> what's a well, hit man so. i'm gonna
0: put a link in the show notes for those who yeah. do want to go and check out your website i think uh there's there's a ton of game designers that listen to our podcast so please uh uh check it out and if you've got a, a design you think could uh, fit you never know it doesn't hurt to submit it you never know yours could be the next one that comes out in this uh this coming year uh, Gabe I want to wish you all the best congrats again on this campaign uh, I know we didn't really say it but you funded on this campaign so congrats yep. on that I think that's amazing and, uh, and I'm going to be keeping an eye out for this uh, this game of the month coming uh, I can tell the excitement that's just pouring out of you it gets me excited so I want to wish you all the best this coming year and we'll talk soon my friend
1: awesome. James thanks again for having
0: me no worries cheers this has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast hosted by James Staley Produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you'd like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.